Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. I'm Sean Tatro, and with my girlfriend and co-host, Leah Diana, we will be winding back the reels to 1986. But first, in 1959, an alien experiment crashes to Earth and infects a fraternity member. They then freeze the body, and in modern day, two geeks pledging a fraternity accidentally thaw the corpse, which proceeds to infect the campus with parasites that transform their hosts into killer zombies. In Night of the Creeps. Wonderful. For Chris, Cindy, and JC, it's going to be the best night of their lives. But tonight is also the Night of the Creeps. From a world unknown comes a nightmare unimagined. First, they are under you, around you, on you, and then inside you. And get into your mouth and you walk around while they incubate, even if you're dead. They are a new breed of terror. <laughs> they are a different kind of horror. Zombies, exploding heads, creepy crawlies. We could have a little problem. The creeps are taking over. <laughs> I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. You have never had a night like this. <coughs> night of the creeps. If you scream, you're dead. Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell, comes the angel of death. Only at the grindhouse. All right, Leah. Thrill me. I hate this phrase so much. When did we watch this movie? It was a couple of years ago now. You made me sit down I and watch a bunch of them. I think this I don't was... think I was living here yet. So it was like 2019. Yeah, it would have been... Like 20... A l- yeah. A little before you moved in, I think. Yeah, so it was before COVID. So I want to say it was like Halloween 2019. You made me watch this because all you kept saying is, I'm going to bring Thrill Me back. And I called you a couple of times and you answered with thrill me. And I said, I will break up with you. 
Would you really have, though? No, no, I wouldn't. I would have just complained for hours. Like, it's such a big deal, that phrase. It's the tagline on the fucking back. Like, come on. It just says throw me in big letters. But anyways. It's actually not the tagline in the movie. It is not the tagline. But you would think with how many times it's said, it would be the main one. Yeah. And I have a counter. I kept count. You kept count? I kept count of that, and I kept count of the word creeps. Okay. I'm excited to kind of see how many there actually are. I've never counted before. I, uh, because this is my second viewing, I needed a refresh. You literally did not have to pay attention to this movie at all. No, I've seen this movie probably upwards of a thousand times at this point. This is your, this is like the equivalent of me for Lord of the Rings for you. Like, you've watched this so many times, you were quoting the movie at points while you were setting up the camera. Fun fact, people on YouTube, we're at different angles. Yes, and the reason we're at different angles for this is because I am attempting... This is this episode is our trial run for yep. a live-edited episode. Yep. So it's not broadcasting live, but I'm doing all of the cutting back and forth... As we are shooting, which is nerve-wracking to my brain. So but every time I talk, he has to press a button, so my camera goes on. And then I have to press a button again for coming back so to me. So if I cut him off, it's going to be real fun. Yes, but with live edits, it's expected that they won't match perfectly. But but I want to keep you on your toes. Don't do this to me, Shippy. Please? <laughs> Shippy! I'll kill you! All right, so this movie, probably out of all of the ones you showed me, I was kind of nervous about watching the first time. I'd never heard of it. I'd only seen it because you have a t-shirt or you had a t-shirt. I think it's out of your rotation. Yeah, so I had a t-shirt of the actual um, foreign market theatrical poster, which is actually on the wall just out of your frame right there. But um, that it, it ended up fading and uh, it, had got some it holes faded, in it. The and... whole like you get holes like right here on your shirts all the time, which sucks because we just found out your flash shirt's got little holes in it. No. But I can sew it back together. But you have this thing where it's not the same. <laughs> no. <laughs> Here's me with leggings from the cat that are holes everywhere. Like, there's a ho- big hole in one here, the big hole in one here, and I'm still wearing them to work. You, on the other hand, get the hole here, and you're like, dead! It's time to retire it. <laughs> Alright, so, let's get into the facts about this movie! Yes, so, Night of the Creeps. Um, this film, as I said in our intro, uh came out in 1986 um it's directed by one of my personal beloved directors fred decker um who i'm gonna say right now never gets enough love the man while he did he has made some movies that are very rough Mm. he's also made some very incredible movies and it hurts my soul that people don't give him the respect he deserves i do not know who this man is what other movies has he done? So, Fred Decker's most famous for uh, Night of the Creeps, uh, Monster Squad. Um, he did uh, 
He did RoboCop 3, which is one of the bad ones. Never heard of that. Uh, he, he's had a lot of minor success. Like, so movies like this that became cult classics. And, like, for the longest time, Fred Decker went through life believing that nobody liked his movies and he was a complete fucking failure. Oh, yeah, you told me about this. Because you went to a screening of Wolfman's Got Nards, and was he there, or was it just the, some of the cast that was there? No, so uh, Wolf, when I went to Wolfman's Got Nards, it, there was a Q&A afterwards with Andre Gower and... Um, I forget the other guy's name right now, but Andre Gower was the lead... Child, the child actor in Monster Squad, mm. and he then went on to direct the documentary Wolfman's Got Nards about Monster Squad. And in that documentary, he interviews Fred Decker, and literally Fred Decker just pours out that like he just assumed that nobody liked his stuff, and for the so long he just assumed that he was a complete failure, his dream. Mm. So he's kind of been just living isolated from everything for years and it took months the documentary uh wolfman's got nards for him to even know that people loved his movies i've only seen this one and i got monster squad and wolf Gone, wolfman's got nards for you for christmas and i know how much you were like oh man monster squad's fucking boss like i'm very excited to see that because it's just like to me, the cover it looks like the Universal Monsters, Universal Studios Monsters, just wreaking havoc and being crazy. That's what it looks like to me. It looks like it's spooky, funny, kind of quirky. You're not wrong. Okay. Um, it's basically that premise. Um, and if you liked this movie, you're definitely going to like that. I have opinions about this movie. But... <laughs> I love how you cut to your face like where are you going with this woman what kind of opinions <laughs> well I think we should wait till the end when we answer our questions dun 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 alright well so this was directed by Fred Decker it was also written by Fred Decker this was his first feature film okay um it's produced by Charles Gordon um stars Jason Lee uh sorry Jason Lively Steve Marshall Jill Withlow and Tom motherfucking Atkins. I love this man. I do. I first time I ever saw him was Halloween three, and I love this man. Everything I've ever watched of him is great so far, and I think it's like only two or three movies maybe. But I have a little fun fact for you. Who's the star of this movie? The first kid. Uh, that's Jason Lively. I'm pretty sure. Who does he remind me of? What is that name? Name sounds familiar, right? Yes, I just don't know it. Uh, I can't connect it. His sister. Who's his sister? Blake Lively. Oh. I'm not 100% sure because it's a little vague. It says... Um... He is the adoptive son of actor Ernie Lively, the brother of actress Lori and Robin, and the half-brother of actor Eric and actress Blake Lively. 
So he's the adopted son, but it's still his sister. Holy shit. Yeah, right? And I'm looking at it, and it, it kind of like got to me. I was like, wait a minute. Okay, all right. And this is the picture that got me, and I went, oh shit. <laughs> that's, that's fucking Rod Reynolds' wife. Wow, that's yeah, kind of huh? crazy. Because I'm like, they don't look they don't look alike. But, like, they don't look like at all. Obviously, he's a lot older because, like, he was a teenager, or, like, in his 20s in the 80s, so. But I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. Because I saw his name, I'm like, Lively. I wonder if he has any relation. And I was like, oh, wait, that's cool. They're all acting. They're all acting kids, man. I don't think he does a lot of acting anymore. No, it said he did this and, and like, one other thing, but that was it. Which, you know, that's that's fine. Yeah, it says he's best known for European Vacation, Night of the Creeps, and Ghost Chase. So I know I European Nas- Vacation. I don't know what Ghost Chase is. National Lampoon. Oh, let's see. He was in... Oh, wow. He's in quite a bit. Hang on. Bring me your, bring me your thing. He was in Hollywood Monster, Maximum Force. Wait a minute, didn't didn't Red Letter Media do Maximum Force? Uh, no, uh, I don't think so. Maybe. I'm trying to find Ghost Chase, I don't see it on here at all. Gunsmoke, Brainstorm, Terrifier Two. Rock and Roll High School. He's in Terrifier 2? Yeah. Says Terrifier. Oh, wait. I only saw Terrifier 1. Never mind. Doesn't say. Oh, he's like in the back of the cast, so. Oh, Terrifier looks creepy. I was wondering where that face came from. Yeah, Terrifier. There's a whole. I could go into a whole slew of the backstory of that shit. I don't want to. That looks terrifying. Anyway, uh, so this movie originally released August 22nd, 1986, um, and I don't have information on what the budget for the movie was. I I think I saw. However, I do know that it brought in a box office of $591,366, so it didn't even break into the millions. No. I mean, that's probably why he thought nobody was going to like it, because it didn't really, didn't really go anywhere, or, or didn't even go, didn't go anywhere in the 80s. But now, I know this is a cult classic. I know, because when we got In Search of Darkness, Tom Atkins talks about this on In Search of Darkness, and how, like, it was one of his favorite movies to make. Oh, no. This... De- playing Detective Cameron is the one role he well, he has always said is his favorite that he's ever played. He's just like a badass fucking asshole detective. Like, obviously, <clears throat> circumstances of the movie. I see why he's an asshole, you know, but... Oh, man. It's a good one. I would have never watched this um, years ago. I would have been like, oh no, I'm not watching this. This seems stupid. But now I'm. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty good movie. Um, so, fun fact: uh, Fred Decker originally wanted to shoot this entire movie in black and white. Oh, why would the white people? 
Well, I, I don't know. Like we did end up getting a little bit of black and white at the beginning of this one. Mm. Uh, I think it would have been pretty cool to see the whole thing in black and white. Um, but that, that's the reason he wanted, he included so many like B movie cliches throughout the whole thing. Mm. And he, uh, apparently wrote this script in a week. He wrote it in a week. Damn. Yeah. And, uh, this movie, I know for a fact, cause I've watched all the behind the scenes on this. I, I've re- done like research on it and stuff. Cause I loved it. Um, but I know this was, he made this while he was still in college or just after college. Um, a lot of the people in it are people like film friends that he had, mm. uh, the effects in this movie are all done by a very early K and B team, um, which is like Greg Nicotero and um, the guys who do like Walking Dead. Okay, all right. And uh, they actually all are in the movie as well. They're like the frat guys. <laughs> I could see them being the frat guys. Um, but those frat guys acting was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, when he wrote this script, he basically threw in everything he, I would call this a kitchen sink movie. So like he threw in every fucking thing he could possibly think that he's ever wanted to do in a movie Mm -hmm. because, uh, with your first movie, you never know if you're ever going to get a chance to direct again. That's true. And I think that, uh. I think it made for the a much more wild experience. It is an interesting ride. There are a bunch of cliches in this bunch. It ticks off the boxes, but they're not overdone. And there's even like some really, really heartfelt shit in this that's done really well. It's not like over the top. It's it's that eighties shitty B movie, but better. Very, yeah. very good. I, uh, I don't know. There's always been something about this movie. I think it's the idea that there's so much happening. Mm. Like, you start off, and it's like, a, like, space, creatures in space, and then all of a sudden it's a yeah. black and white 50s monster movie, and then all of a sudden it's fucking an 80s creature feature, and it just, it keeps compounding. So- this is what I wrote for it. It was Event Horizon, Night of the Living Dead, Return of the, <laughs> Return of the Living Dead, um, Revenge of the Nerds, and what was my last one? Oh no. Oh no. I write it down. Um, oh, there was another movie that I compared it to. But I can't remember. But it just went bing, 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 bing. Because the opening shot, I'm like, why are we on a shitty Event Horizon? That's what it looks like. You're like, what the fuck? You're not. That's actually a really good description. Like, that it, it looks exactly like that tunnel, only not massive. It's really compact. And you're like, what, what are we doing with these latex rubber aliens going... Like, they're stiff, and you can see where the zipper is on the back of the costume, and you can see they're, like, stuck in this pose, and they're jiggling, and I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. 
This is beautiful, shitty 80s quality. Back then, people were probably like, oh, this looks stupid. Now? No. Now? Beautiful. Practical effects. I can see the, the little continuity errors, and I still think they're I'm like, oh, that's so that's so cute. Like, I like the problems. There are a lot of problems with this movie. <laughs> Huge amounts of problems. I don't have a problem with any of them. I enjoy the little because it's just such a it's such a cute movie. I don't know. <laughs> no, I get what you're getting at. Like, I I really like the the opening. Like it opens and it's just super cheesy, oh my God, and it's so laughable. You're like, you're looking at these aliens. You're like, what the fuck am I in for? But if you look at it now and you're like, oh, it's supposed to be cheesy. Yep. And then it shifts into like really great practical effects yep. and um, some pretty gory parts. Very gory. With, I with beautiful ketchup liquid paint red not blood red it's like paint red i'm like oh this is Carrie red that bucket of goop and i just oh my god it's beautiful oh uh, uh one thing to to note here is uh part of the whole b-movie aesthetic that he was going for is he didn't bother to come up with real names for any of the characters nope so every single character in this movie that is you either meet, spend time with, or is even mentioned, is named after a popular filmmaker in the horror field. <laughs> so you have our two main characters are Christopher Romero and James Carpenter Hooper. Uh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> so two of the cops that are uh, that Detective Cameron uh, talks to are. Um, Raimi and Landis. <laughs> Raimi and Landis. Sam Raimi, John Landis. Um, Cynthia. Yeah. The, is Cynthia Cronenberg. Who is no no? Who is Christopher Cronenberg? David Cronenberg. Damn. <laughs> Very to close. Learn directors, man. Um, you have the janitor, who is Finch, literally named Steve Miner. Yeah, Steve Miner is uh, he's another horror director. Is is there David Lynch in here too? I don't believe so, but they also have uh, nods to Wes Craven and Mario Bava. Oh, Brad, who is Brad? Brad, I think was just the douchiest name they could come up with. Oh my God, I hated that man, that kid so much. You're supposed to hate him. He is vile. Ugh. Well, he's not as vile as he could be nowadays. I could think of viler things. Like, he's just, he's just scum. He's a scum dumpster. Just, it's like, Cynthia, why are you dating this asshole? Well, that's the, the kind of the thing. Like, you go into it and you learn that Cynthia's dating Brad and... You immediately are like, well, she's obviously going to end up leaving him for fucking Chris. Yep. But that's the point. It's just, this is the most bare bones, basic fucking plot. But that plot has nothing. You That plot does not even matter. That plot is the secondary plot. The first plot is, why are there dead people and what are with the slugs? Like, Well, 
actually, uh, was it JC? I always, or is it JP? I always forget, um, the co-star's name. It's JC. All right. So he actually says it during the scene where they are being interrogated. Like he literally tells you the plot of the movie in one line of dialogue. Yep. I would rather, I would personally rather have my brain invaded by creatures from space than join a fraternity. And you're sitting there like the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, ha ha. Now I'm like, and then, and then it happens. And now how do you feel, um, Mr. Carpenter? Oh my god. Carpenter what? What is he? Carpenter. You said it was John Carpenter something. Hooper? Oh, uh, the character's name yeah. is uh, James Carpenter Hooper. James Carpenter Hooper. Which is, you know, J.C. James Carpenter. J.C. Hooper. Should have been chain smoking. He wasn't. He's just named after him. It wasn't him. I mean, come on. If that kid had a mustache and he was smoking the whole time, nope, they didn't need it. It's Tom Atkins. <laughs> I'm gonna go on the record right now and just say that Tom Atkins is the best part of this whole fucking movie. Every scene with him is absolute gold, and anybody that thinks differently, fight me. Yeah, I was gonna say, fight him because he will definitely fight you first time like he came on the screen on Halloween um Hollywood oh my god I'm looking right at it on Halloween 3 I remember sitting there going oh who's this like like thing that stepped right out of the 80s and he's like you shut your mouth that's Tom Atkins I'm like all right he goes you'll learn to love him Tom Atkins is horror royalty all right and I've already told him he's not allowed to turn into Tom Atkins from any movies Ever. I'm already Tom Atkins. Then you need to get rid of the beard. And start chain no. smoking. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be him, lean into it. I... I <laughs> be, if I were to ever become Tom Atkins, it would be the truest honor of my life. But that's never going to happen. Tom Atkins still alive? Yeah. Good. Still alive, still doing horror films, still going to conventions. Please come to Rhode Island. I think he has not that has long he? ago. Did he come to the Rhode Island Comic Con? Not that I know of, but I didn't go to it. So. If he does come here, we're going. We're going to meet him. Because Oof. you, motherfucker, need to stand in front of him and be like, Roman. You have to. How many fucking times do you think he's heard that? If you don't, I'm going to walk up to him. He chickened out. Throw me. <laughs> Alright, so maybe we should actually get into this fucking movie. <laughs> yes, so it opens with, you know, these naked baby people running after another naked baby person with a tube, and then he releases the tube into space. We don't know what happens afterwards. And that tube... Well, we sort of know what happens afterwards. Well, no, we don't know what happens to the naked baby. Oh, yeah, no. We don't know, like, why he did it, what was happening, why he released this experiment, like, what was going on. All we know is, in the alien language, the dude stole stole the experiment, and we can't let it get off the ship. That's all we know. Cut to 1958? Uh, that was 1959. 1959. So then, there's this 
fraternity dude with the white sweater and the can I practice this? Fakest fucking smile like like I'm gonna throw rocks at your window and hey come on down let's go to the neck and point. So that's that's actually a, a point that I want to make about this movie and it's something it's one of the charms it has that I personally love. It looks like the shittiest black and white B movie start to any movie. Yes, and it's but it's not just the opening. So like the, yes, that opening has this overly cheesiness about it. And everything is laid out so pristinely and perfectly that it just I don't know, it feels like you're watching a super cheesy yeah. but like hammed up. Oh my god. When he walks up to the window and he's throwing the rocks and the girl looks out and she's like and then he's just standing there like I I can't. Obviously everybody who's listening I'm imitating the characters that but they were like the stereotypical like 1950s poodle skirt girl and 1950s letterman's sweater not jacket knit white sweater that kills me every time i see that because it's in black and white but you know it is a white sweater it is i just look at it i'm like no offense but all y'all are fucking y'all are fucking stupid (laughs) by the way did you like that nice dig at police at the beginning there oh he's what did she what is that what exactly is the line she's talking to one of the girls about her ex, I think, and goes, "Oh, he's a police officer. He had he doesn't have a future ahead of him." Damn! Come on, Muffy. The guy's a cop. <laughs> he has no future. <laughs> and she just looks like, "All right, <laughs> what? <laughs> Cops have no future in the fifties? Guess I'm not. Like, was was he angry at policemen? Like?" What? What? I want to know where his mind was with that line of dialogue. Or was he just like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Honestly, he was probably just like, yeah, this is funny. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. Cops cops are nothing. <laughs> like, wow. Nowadays, it's like, ooh, that line will get you... Line will get you shot. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we're going to go back to the 80s. Well, yeah. The, uh, to finish my point, like... So yeah, in the '50s part, you it's everything feels like overly cheesy, like super hammed up. But that doesn't stop there. Like even in the the rest of the movie that takes place in the '80s, everything feels ev- elevated. It's like you watch Revenge of the Nerds, and you know it's going to be about nerds and fraternities. This is like that leveled up. Like, and I think Revenge of the Nerds was like '83 or '84. I'm not 100 percent sure. I could look it up, but whatever. Um, fact check me fact fact check me in the comments not fat check me I will punch somebody if they fat check me um but (laughs) Christ (laughs) but it is just hammed the fuck up like you can ham it and then you can there's a 50 pound ham at Easter they're hamming it up it's great well that's the thing like um so throughout the rest of the movie, like you look at each character individually. Mm. So, um, Jesus Christ, I already forgot his name. The du- the douchebag, Brad. Brad. Brad is like an elevated version of the the douchebags in Revenge of the Nerds. 
because those guys were jerks. This guy is a douchebag, and that's what I put actually. I went uh, on his license plate. It says the Bradster. I went the doucher. That's what it should have been. Yeah, and like so, he's super macho. Every all the little frat guys that you see, like the unibrow dude. Yep. Steve, I think his name was. Yes. He uh, he's like in just when he's standing there, he's like super macho. Hey guys, <laughs> like Jesus. Um, JC, he's the comic relief, mm-hmm. but he's overly comical all the time like he has uh, a handicap to overcome literally he has crutches he can't walk without these like usually the sidekick has something to overcome he literally has a physical handicap like yeah other movies do that but it's like did he really need to go that hard i mean i mean i think it works for him to be like the underdog well it works for the story that he wrote so it makes sense I will say one of my favorite lines it's not my favorite but one of my favorite lines is so I don't know who his name is jock dude from the 50s picks up the pretty blonde girl and they go to make out point or the point I think she said the point at one at one point mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what it was called but they were at make out point and um, a cop comes up to them and says, didn't you hear the news bulletin? There's a crazy person on the loose. She turns around and the cop goes, just go home. Just go home. And I'm like, oh. She said, it's somebody from my past. Don't worry about it. I'm like, oh. There's the cop with no future. <laughs> um, so then something streaks through the sky, which you're assuming it's from the alien ship, and lands on Earth. And, of course, the jock dude with the white sweater is like I have to investigate I have to do it so yeah basically that plays out the girl they see the thing fly overhead the girl says something along the lines of oh it's right before they see it she says like she's saying starlight star star bright bright, first first star star hey which Which one one is the brightest star they see the shooting star and then it cuts to the guy and he, he goes to start the car and he's like I vote that one. <laughs> I did not hear that line. Oh it's dear God! So fucking bad. <sighs> so they go to investigate, and he gets out of the car with his little flashlight to go in the woods. And she's in the car, like sitting there waiting. And all of a sudden, the news bulletin comes, like, "Oh, somebody broke out on Route 66." A couple miles near the college, and you're just seeing Route 66, college, three miles, and she's like, oh no. And all I hear is, if you come back to the far car, I'll even let you fondle my breasts. <laughs> what? Did you, did you notice there's, uh, there's even a couple of, um, of little, uh, what do you, uh, Jesus Christ. Little, we're, doing, we're doing great today, guys. Yeah, we, we suck. We suck. There's little, like, nods in in that moment as yeah. well. Um, I wrote a couple of like them down. I feel like there's a nod to Halloween. There's... So, I think the, the news broadcast that comes on, I think yeah. they say they're broadcasting live from, like, the King newsroom. Yep, yep. Um, Stephen King. They say the university that they're... Uh, was it Corman? Corman University. Corman University. Um, 
There's like there's a couple other ones. And in then there. like how they released it, like oh, uh, someone escaped the psychiatric ward and is wandering down the. I'm like that's a Halloween kind of like. Yeah. Like a little bit of like a um a Michael Myers kind of thing, and just the way he comes out, like this dude has no personality, no nothing, and he's just like there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's creepy. Kind of like the way Michael Myers would just be there. Well, it's very much a um. This is a this standard is a, like hookman kind of yeah, legend. But it's like it's like this director Fred Decker. Decker. Sorry, dude. I regret your name already. Um, it's like this director was giving these beautiful nods to all of these influences that he had, and you can see he had a lot of influences. Kind of like you have a lot of influences in these great directors that you love. Obviously, Carpenter. We've done actually one. We did The Fog. Did we do any more Carpenter movies yet? Technically, we did two if you count Eyes of Laura Mars. Okay, yeah. So we've done a couple of his. Have we ever done any other multiple directors yet? I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. Like I think we've been trying to diversify our content quite a bit but you will see that we have favorite directors obviously mine doesn't fall in the wheelhouse but my one of my favorite directors is peter jackson that is untrue all of peter jackson's early career falls into our wheelhouse (gasps) oh yeah because there's the frighteners the tommy knockers there's another one. Wait, is the Tommy Knockers? No, not Tommy Knockers. Why am I thinking Tommy? It's the Frighteners. There's another one. So there's Google. The Frighteners, Brain Dead or Dead Alive. You told me that his early shit was gonna shock and, me. And uh, bad taste for sure. Well, I will say that everything I've seen of Peter Jackson's, obviously Lord of the Rings, obviously the Hobbit trilogy, I Lovely Bones. A lot of people didn't like Lovely Bones. I loved I never saw it. Lovely Bones. Honestly, read the book first. I own the book. Read the book first. The book is... Obviously, books are better. I mean, I feel like the Stephen King curse is not even, like, just his curse. It's all books curse. Books are better than the movies because you can't really tell the entirety of a story on film. I mean, Lord of the Rings left out half of the fucking story. Peter Jackson had to. But... You know, that's just what fucking happens with movies. Alright, um, let's see. What else is his? Jesus, your fucking IMDb is fucking massive. Brain Dead, Heavenly Creatures, Forgotten Silver. Oh yeah, Heavenly Creatures. I actually have the VHS of that The Frighteners was the last thing before he did The Lord of the Rings, because The Lord of the Rings took so long. Um, King Kong. I like King Kong. Hot Fuzz. I think he was involved in it, yeah, okay. but not. Um, Lovely Bones. Wow, what else is he doing? Oh, he did the Beatles. Get back. That was his. What? Yeah, that was very recent too. Oh shit! And I heard it's really good. Honestly, I, I don't. I don't like the Beatles. Shun me if you want. That's fine. The only person who'd shun me right now is. A friend of mine and uh, he's not here to yell at me anymore <laughs> but i can hear you in my head so shut up dude um <laughs> but i don't really like the beatles i never have like i never got the hype but as i'm getting older i kind of like 
the story, the drama, the everything around the Beatles. Like, I've only really gotten to Sgt. Pepper and the Lonely Hearts band. That's the only album I really know. And obviously I know Let It Be and Imagine, but that's just John Lennon. I don't, I don't know their discography. I don't, I know nothing about them, but I wanted to see that because I loved the trailer so much of the documentary, so. But fun fact, uh, we've already planned out 2022 entirely for movies. Almost. Almost. We've got Halloween and Christmas, Halloween, October and December to finish out, but obviously we want to stick with more Halloween y movies for October and more Christmassy movies for December. But all the rest of it, it's all planned out. It's all done. So as we're getting into these movies, we're like, oh, I really like to see the Frighteners. Now we got to put it into 2023. And I have a feeling if you and I sit down and plan 2023, we could have it all planned out until 2024 or longer at this point. Yes. And we're also very much trying to start shifting away really from... into the grindhouse. Like, yeah. go back to the movies that aren't as grindhousey, just to kind of like... But instead of doing this, we want to actually do this and swerve back a little bit and then come out. So a lot of the movies that I actually, four movies that I have planned for this year that I picked are actual like grindhouse movies that I had to hunt down, which reminds me I should purchase those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we're trying to actually shift into the grindhouse genre more heavily now. Uh, we still want to pepper in movies that we like that are like 90s and mm. uh like late 80s and stuff but like we want to get into more 70s more early 80s maybe even like 60s b movie kind yeah. of stuff and we really want to cover stuff that you would see you would have seen in the grindhouses when they existed yep uh and i think we're starting to pick some really really good shit for that yeah i mean the ones that i have sitting in my cart i'm really excited for also i'd like to i'm gonna <laughs> briefly apologize to anybody watching this episode because this as as we said this is the our first test of live editing and i've already fucked up a few quite a few times uh, <laughs> this is the stuff that comes with live editing you're gonna get accidental presses of the cut button or You'll forget to cut to the other person at certain points. It it's gonna happen, but honestly, I think it's a little bit. It it's more, I don't know, spontaneous. Yeah, it's a little bit more it's fun. Fine. Less regimented. Look, we're gonna have days where we're a little off. It, it's it's okay. It's it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. By the way, you guys can physically see me pressing the cut button. It's right here. <laughs> Isn't can, this fun? <laughs> you can physically see me putting an order into Amazon for movies that we need. Like, is that, are those the three that I need? Wait, am I getting the other one? Hang on. Nope, that's $50. We're going to wait. <laughs> Crystal Plumage is $50, by the way. It was which the, version are you getting? Um... I know they just came out with a 4K version, but you oh, really God. don't need that. Why wouldn't you want 4K? I mean, it would be nice, but it's not necessary. <laughs> oh, no. So it's this one. It's the special edition. Oh, thank God. It's on sale for 26 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The That's one. the Arrow release, right? Yes. Yeah. Dario Argento. Italian. I fucking love Argento, man. <laughs> he loves Argento. <laughs> Argento. I honestly can't wait until we get into some of his stuff, because his stuff is fun to pick Was apart. Was Suspiria Argento? Yeah. I watched Suspiria. Okay, we watched the original. We didn't watch the new one yet, right? No, I haven't seen the remake. I want the remake very badly because when I saw that trailer, it made me want to see all of that shit. I never even watched the trailer for it. No? Dude, after watching the original, like, you made me sit down and watch this because I wanted to know what Italian cinema was all about. So we watched The Beyond and I was very intrigued by the way they do it. And as soon the darkness kind of like felt like it because they had to do a lot of dubbing for some of the stuff and it was but it was more like they dubbed because there might have been more environmental noise but I'm so intrigued by that whole you speak your own language then they'll dub over you I think that is incredible I and I never looked into why they do that but mm. I personally feel that they do it so that the actors can be more comfortable in their performance. Have your own language, have your own tones to be able to prepare, and it's perfect, I think. Yeah, I think it works really well, because all the... The acting is usually really good in an Italian film. Mm. It's the dubbing that kind of brings it down a little bit. Sorry, I'm pulling the plug on $100 worth of movies. Dead air, dead air, dead air. Dead air, dead air, dead air, dead air, dead air. Okay, I bought all four of them. Oh, fuck. I bought the Argento movie. How can you... I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. How can you not get an Argento film that was $45 and now it's 26 Fair point. Mm-hmm. 24 What? What are you doing? Look, Amazon. Fuck off. They just were like, if you join, we'll send you these movies within 24 hours. I don't need them that badly, kids. <laughs> Take your time. So, um, where were we? Oh, my God. Um, Let's see. So, she says, I'll let you even run on my breast. Um, and we cut to hit, uh, the boyfriend back in the woods, and the thing breaks the glass on the tube right in the mouth. That's it. We're done with him. The escape psychotic mental institution patient slowly walks up to the car and you just see him and you hear a scream. You're like, ah, and that's it. Cuts out. You go to 1986 and we're in front of, I think we're in front of just like a regular dormitory and two main characters. We're at Corman University. Yeah, Corman University. Um, And wait, who's the main character? What's Jason's, Jason Lively's name? Uh, Chris. Chris. So Chris is talking about how he's he's depressed and everything, and I wrote the joke, he's so depressed. Like a soda can? So depressed? <sighs> Next. Anyways, um, he sees this pretty girl across the way, 
very plain brunette. She's got pearls on. She's got a nice little white shirt. She looks all innocent and happy and she's smiling and giggling. And Chris is in love at first sight. Sees her and he's like, oh, ex-girlfriend who? And CJ is like, hey, yo, Tuts, what's your name? <laughs> I absolutely... <laughs> I love the dynamic between these two characters. They're definitely, like, ridiculous best friends. It's, oh my god. He says, Toots are broad. Uh, he says, um... Oh, he's, he's yelling out to her. He's like, Hey, yo, honey! Toots! Toots! What's your name? Oh my god. And fucking the life leaves Chris. He's like, Dude. <laughs> I would have punched him. JC, remind me to kill you sometime. Yep. <laughs> hey, kill me sometime, won't you? <laughs> it reminds me of the dynamic between you and Andy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> where you're like, LaRue, I'm going to kill you. And he's just like, all right, okay, all right, that's fine. <laughs> and then his wife does it for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Andrew, honey, LaRue. Sorry, guys, we're ratting you out on national radio. I don't think that's right. <laughs> ratting you out over the airwaves that very few people listen to. Our, our several view listeners. And then, you know, the algorithm we got stuck in in the Middle East with uh, one of our videos. Hey, I'm not YouTube. complaining. What is that up to now? It was 51K. I honestly I haven't looked there. at that one in a while, yeah. but I think it kind of stopped I around that. I think it that. stopped. To everybody who watched that, thank you very much. To the two of you who probably stuck around with us, thank you. I love, um, I love just seeing that anybody watches this, because obviously I'll get like talking to um, some of my friends who are like, "Wait, you guys do podcasts? What? Like." My cousin was very excited about it when he was like, wait, you are doing this? Like, yeah, it wasn't just, this wasn't just an idea. Like, we actually went through with it. Here are like 18 episodes we've already put up. And then my mom, who We're is, up to 20 right now. Are we up to, well, I think when I talked to him, it was up to 18. Because arachnophobia was the one that was up um, when I sent him the links. And then my mom says that she listens to us while walking on her brakes. But she won't listen to arachnophobia because it's about spiders. She can't see them. <laughs> I mean, I felt creepy crawly the entire time talking about it. But I have to say, anybody who listens to us, who watches us, thank you. Uh, we don't expect anybody to listen to watch, listen to us and watch us. So anybody that does, it's, it's really cool. Thank you. So no, we haven't released 20 yet. We're, no. We've released 17, I believe. 17. Damn. Yeah, we're stuck at 51k. Which is great! That's that's amazing! Honestly, I never expected anybody to watch any of this or listen to it. I just wanted to do a podcast. I know. And I'm having fun doing it. Personally. Uh, Alright, so back to the movie. We see that the boys are... The boys go into this frat fraternity party that the girls went into because he wants to meet uh chris wants to meet cynthia cynthia 
I thought it was Cindy for a little while. I think Cynthia, Cynthia Cronenberg. Cynthia Cronenberg. God, Cronenberg. I just want to talk about directors now. Have we watched anything with, of Cronenberg's yet? Not yet. Not yet. And a good amount of his stuff will fall into the wheelhouse. Um, we just wanted to wait. We just wanted to. This first year was establishing what we were doing. 2023 is really, or the later half of this year, because this is going to be released. Is this before or after 4th of July? This one will be before. So the later half of the year, like more towards the end of summer, fall, winter, it's really going to get into actual Grindhouse films, which I'm super excited to find real Grindhouse films. Yeah. Uh, see, the thing is that I find funny, like you're very excited to watch Grindhouse movies, but at the same time, a lot of stuff from the Grindhouse era is the type of stuff that they watch on Best of the Worst. I'm sorry. I would like to tell Red Letter Media right now into the camera and the mic. You have no idea how much revenue you make off of this house. Oh yeah, we rewatch your stuff constantly. We have we can quote some of those episodes, especially like the one with Oh my god. I don't want to say the joking one. I forget what it's called. The one about the um, fetus in the sewer, I will say kindly. The suckling. The suckling. And then that really, really bad space one that Mike was so excited about that ended up being one of the shittiest movies they've seen. You're talking about Space Jacked? Space Jacked. Oh. And the other day they were watching a, It was was it the best or the worst or was it a um, Planketo one? Where it was like how to defend yourself against knives. It was a police training. Surviving video. edged weapons. Oh my god. If anybody has a copy of Surviving Edged Weapons, please contact me because I want it so bad. It's a, it's a Wisconsin specific police training video, isn't it? Yes. So anybody who's in Wisconsin that can get the hold of this this for us. We're not kidding. Like, if you get a hold of it, watch the fucking video. It is insane. And it's like, I'm looking at Sean going, oh, these are like the worst case scenarios. And he's like, no, these are based on real things that have happened. Like, somebody got shot with a fucking crossbow when asking a dude, hey, are you okay, coming out of his own house. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, man, that... That makes I have never think... seen Rich Evans so excited. Oh my god. Usually and you and you know Rich Evans is happy when you hear ha ha in the background of the movie. And he's just it's just him and Jay dying the whole Yeah They're both getting so excited. He and I are watching this video like, what the fuck? I fucking love Red Letter Media. Oh like, my god. They're so nonchalant about everything, and it's just... And they watch these shitty fucking movies. And, and I love it when they cut to Rich Evans just being like, Rich is done with life, and he's like... Honestly, <laughs> like, watching them gave me a new appreciation for, for shit. bad movies. For shit cinema, yes. 
because you can find the good in any kind of film any it doesn't matter what kind it could be the sweetest nicest cutest child program or it could be the goriest nastiest like smut film in the world these guys will find joy in any of it and i mean they've watched a princess movie on how to be a princess or i'm sorry how about turtle dreams Oh my Holy god, shit. Turtle I, we Dreams. Need, Turtle Dreams. We need to find that one because every time we watch that episode, I just go back to Rich Evans doing, doing the, the dance at the end. Oh, they'll never uh, hear this podcast. They never will, but this household has paid for your warehouse at least for one month <laughs> from, from YouTube revenue, just saying. Yeah, Anytime I... a website is mentioned, we fucking Google it, and we appreciate that you've bought that domain to redirect to either your merch or some stupid GIF. <laughs> yeah, I personally, like... Oh, Jesus. Growing up, when I was collecting DVDs and stuff, like, I used to just buy anything. Like, I would go to the store, and I'd buy random shit. It's like, oh, this looks or sounds interesting. Mm. Half the time, I would find garbage. Yep. And... I I thought it was fun back then, and then I kind of fell out of doing that. But watching Red Letter Media has like reinvigorated that in me. We go to we have we have to actually go antique tape shopping again. We have a bunch of places we hit, and when we do that, we look for shitty movies now. We purposely are like, oh, this sounds stupid, but we don't get a lot in the sense of like actual shit movies. The last time we went to one of our antique places that we went to, we found a fucking gold mine of just older horror. And he was like, I'm going to go fucking broke in this place. Which, if you're somebody who goes tape hunting, you know, full, especially around here, yeah. you know full well that it is near impossible to find horror movies yes. anywhere now. And so when you do, it is like you scoop them up oh, immediately. Because, I mean, we will find if we go to Goodwill, or we go to Savers, or if we even go to the, there's a couple of, like, estate places around here, you will get one or two movies. Like, barely any horror. And if it's horror, it's, like, mainstream recent horror that people are like, oh, it's, uh, I have tons of these, so here, it's a dollar. Like, I already own this. I don't want this. We look for, like... One of the things that I can see is like the mummy shroud is one of the ones that we found in the. I was looking at it going, this is a universal horror movie. Like, we must have wiped that dude out of like 75% of his films that day. I'm personally hoping that when we go back, he's restocked. Oh my god. You know, it, part of me is like, maybe we should go today after we're recording. We don't have anything to do this afternoon. I mean, we could if we you could. want. <laughs> <laughs> There's always enough money for tapes. We do hide money in films sometimes, so we could just, you know, I got two dollars from the movie. <laughs> we put it back into the movie. We've gone so far down the rabbit hole. <laughs> we really have. This 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 poor film is like, give me a chance to shine. Wait your turn. Wait your turn, Tom. Wait your turn. So. After we go into the frat party, um, JC and Chris 
have an interaction with the unibrow jock. I'm like, oh, you have a phone call so Chris can talk to Cynthia. Cynthia Cronenberg. I don't remember her name now. It's going to be stuck in my head. Um, then you find out she's with Brad, the Bradster, the dick, the head of this fraternity. Seriously, fuck this guy. Oh my god, he is stereotypical everything you don't want in a dude. Like, the first scene is he drinks his beer, crushes it in his hands, and goes, What's up, dudes? And I'm like, I I want him to die right now. Just shoot him in the fucking head. Um, in time. It, oh my god. <laughs> so, the boys think that to get close to the girl... Uh, they're going to have to pledge to a fraternity. So they go up to Brad and the other fraternity brothers. Is that what it is? I don't remember what they're called. And it's like, oh, we'd like to pledge. We'd like to join. So Brad says, all right, you have to get a cadaver and you have to drop it on the front steps of this certain fraternity or sorority. I don't remember what it was. Um, so they're like, all right, we'll go down to the morgue lab, whatever. And we'll get a body and we'll, we'll do this. So the boys sneak into one of the labs I don't know what it is and they find this like security box which a scene before the dude was trying to punch in the numbers and forgot the last number so he has to go to the phone booth and call and say hey go to my notebook and let me know what the last number is I always forget it because I'm dumb and I'm stupid and I'm here for cannon fodder and I'm about to die in 10 seconds blah 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 so the boys like JC pushes a number, it opens, whatever. They go in and there's a dude, the dude from 1959 in a cryo tube, just frozen. So before we get too far past it, we both um, talked about oh, while we were yeah. watching the movie, the, the guy that couldn't remember the code. Yes. This is an actor that pops up in a lot of shit. Yeah, you 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 instantly. I looked at his face. And I went, "Who's that guy?" So his name is David Pamer. Okay. Um, he. Let's see. His uh, filmography includes things such as. Uh, Get Shorty, um, in Good Company. He does a lot of TV work. Um, he is actually in Star Trek Picard. <laughs> oh my god, really? Yep. Um, he's in the movie Horse Girl, um, which was a recent thing on uh, Netflix release. Not recent. I don't know, like a couple years back. He shows up in the Connors at one point. Um, Drag Me to Hell. Yes, he plays the uh, bank manager in Drag Me to Hell. Uh, he's in so many things, and like if you've seen this man's face once, he's yes. he's a, he's one of the ultimate that guys. Mighty Joe Young, I think, is where I've seen him. He's in Mighty Joe Young. Yep. I don't remember he him. Plays, in that Doctor Harry Rubin. Uh, oh. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Season Jack Ryan. Oh my God, look at all the TV he has done. Yeah, this guy, he's a major TV actor. And... He's a good one too. Like everything I've ever seen him in, I always like him. He's fun mm-hmm. to watch. Um, but I just wanted to make mention of that. It's not he's not super integral to the plot or anything here. No, but it definitely oh, Tales of the Crypt. Oh my god, Godzilla series, Wild Thornberries. Holy shit, dude! <clears throat> I'm trying to see if there's something that I know him from. I mean, I'm sure you've seen him in so many things and you just don't even realize it. The Marvelous Miss Maisel, he's currently in. The Connors. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Picard. He's directed. Two episodes of One Tree Hill. I keep hitting this poor thing. Grey's Anatomy. Watch out for the microphone. Gilmore Girls. Melrose Place, the newer one. 90210. Holy shit. The carry he's directed a lot. He directed an episode of Lucifer. Jesus. Well, a lot of actors end up switching to directing, especially TV actors, because like, they do it so much. If you're if you're on YouTube, you're immediately like, oh I know that guy's face, because he's in everything. Like, I mean even that, that's a current picture. I'd still be like, I know that guy. Yeah, he just hit him hard He's in recent years. years old. Damn. He's one of those guys that, like, he pops up so many times that, like, it's second nature seeing him at this point. And yeah. you're like, He's somebody you almost... It's like you grew up with him. Like, he's always been there. And, like, when he finally disappears... You're gonna know. You're like, oh, I haven't seen that guy in a long time. You know? Oh... Let's see. So the boys break into the lab. Obviously, JC starts playing with buttons. They're like, oh, here's a cadaver right here. We'll just take him and drop him off. That's no big deal. They take break him out of the thing. The cadaver grabs Chris's arm and freaks them out. And then they run and scream like little girls. That's what the janitor kept saying. So, or is that the wrong line? It, I have run and scream like close. little grannies. He, uh, so it's because of uh, J- uh, Cameron's line afterwards. He yeah. says that uh, Mr. Miner saw you running out of here at 40 miles an hour, screaming like banshees. Oh, and then the, the Asian guy's like, screaming like banshees, because he thought it was fucking hilarious. For and some it, reason. For some reason, he kept... This is that man's only line, running and screaming like banshees. That's his only line in the whole movie. He says it three times. He says he's it like, with the interrogation, 
twice, and then he says it as he's walking down the hall, screaming like Benji. This character is like, mildly a racist. racial stereotype. It's a Chinese dude doing the oh, running and screaming like Benji. I'm like, man, the 80s were not PC. No, but it's funny. It's, it's funny. funny to see. It is. Um. So after that, they go back to their dorm room, blah, blah, blah. One of them mentions the words Dream Girl 2021. Or no, Dream Girl 2001. I laughed at that. I don't know why I thought that was funny. I was like, nobody looked like a Dream Girl in 2001. I was there. I was in high school. None of us were Dream Girls. You know, the amount of glitter and butterfly clips and fucking weird chokers and Delia's dresses that, you know, looked like we were in the grunge scene. Oh, God, I dress like that still. With the black boots and, like, the skirts. With, like, the... I look like I came out of the night. <laughs> you did. I have not changed my... My style has changed a lot over the years, but it does this. It just goes in a circle, and I'm starting right back in the beginning again. Time to try something new. Oh, God. I have black dresses with lace overlays, and I wear black boots with them I have blonde white hair like oh. I look like a goth girl I'm not really I just like the color black <laughs> I'm gonna wear per oh, what color is this is this orange pink it's like a I don't know it's like an orangey it's salmon <laughs> Sa- salmon it's salmon it's a salmon oh boy we're introduced to Tom Atkins in the interrogation scene. <sighs> Tom Atkins. Well, we're we're technically introduced to Tom Atkins right before that. So like yes. when they the cops are investigating the the break in yes. at the, the lab. And oh my god. So Tom Atkins' introduction into this movie is a nightmare. Yes. And I don't mean that as in a bad scene. No, it's, it's an actual nightmare he's having. Yeah, so we cut into him essentially on a beach. Or not a beach. He's at like a resort he's or something. He's at a resort and he's watching the girl from the beginning come out in like a prom dress out of the ocean. Which I'd actually like to pay special mention to this scene. Because he's essentially... The way they shot this scene was so, like, you see her coming out of the water completely dry. Because they reversed it. She was walking backwards into the water, and then they just played it in reverse, which I love that. I love that bit of cinematography. Yeah, reverse cinematography always looks really cool on camera. I I don't know why. It's just, it's so, like, otherworldly. Like, it's, I don't know. It's always interesting to look at. Especially with water effects. It's always better with water effects. Like, it's one of those, it's a silly little trick. It is not that hard to do. But man, oh man, is it fucking effective in certain storytelling elements. Yeah, especially like dream sequences and things like that. What have you done to me? I appreciate the cinematography of this movie more than the story. Welcome to my mind. Oh God, I hate it. (laughs) Get me out of here. Um, So after the nightmare, he wakes up like it's, Seeing that, and then it's him as current Tom Atkins or current day dude going up to the car as 
the guy is just hacking and hacking and you're kind of putting two and two together like oh he was one of the cops on the scene like and you're like oh god that sucks that he's stuck with that memory um I didn't realize the connection to the revelation until this movie. I didn't know it from beginning, but I put two and two together in this movie and went and I asked you, I'm like, wait a minute. Is it just some girl he's seen or he's, and you were like, that's Zex. I'm like, so he had to find his ex chopped up into little pieces. I honestly, like I've, that was always obvious to me. It wasn't obvious to me because when you think of Tom Atkins, you think of, mustache like I'm Tom Atkins you don't think of a young dude in a uniform so I didn't put the two and two together until I went wait why what connection does he have to the girl and you're like that's his ex I'm like that sucks that's why he's so fucking messed up well and that's that actually uh, I'm gonna talk about it later too when we get to like closing comments but mm. that actually and it jumps us ahead slightly, but that scene afterwards when he's talking to Chris in his apartment, um, and he's like confessing to him, like that's like one of my favorite fucking scenes in this movie. Because Tom Atkins has this great way of portraying characters to where, sure, this is supposed to be a B shitty movie, but you can see the the depth and the tragedy that's on his face because like when he's confessing you're realizing why he did it and it's like oh god that's terrifying and you realize why he's that kind of cop why he's that kind of detective why the first words when he walks into the fucking room with the cadaver he's like thrill me like I've already had this bad thing happen in my life. What's something else? Like, he's already, like, done. Constantly. And 24-7. Every goddamn line of dialogue that he has in that scene mm. when they're at the cryo lab. He's just is... like, how fucking stupid are you? I'm like, Jesus Christ. Well, and it, every line is, like, memorable. Every line is quotable. It is so fucking funny. You quote this man a lot. A lot from this movie and from Halloween, I've noticed. I do. You do. I love Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins is half of your personality. <laughs> oh. Then I'm not sure what happens after that when they go to. Tom Atkins is like interrogating the two of them, but I just have the Bradster, the douche there, because <laughs> I know he he rolls up on um, Cynthia with his car or something. I don't know. This is a little so, blurry for all me. Alright, so the the interrogation... So, alright. We do the cryo, cryo lab scene where uh, he basically berates his fellow officers for being dumb. How which stupid are you to let they, two rookies... They are all retarded. They are all stupid. Every cop except for him is an idiot in this movie. Yep. Um, which is fine. <laughs> but uh, following that we come back to Chris and JC they're like walking up to the college and they get stopped by the Bradster and his goons yeah Um, and 
the, all the frat guys are like, dude, what the fuck? Like, we told you to, we, I know we put you up to this, but you, you dumped this corpse on the wrong, uh, on a sorority. On a sorority, not a, they were all freaked out. What's wrong with you? And like, we didn't, we yeah. chickened out. We never got that far. We don't know what you're talking about. Um, and they, like the, our two leads are, they're pretty witty for like characters. They're dumbasses, but they're witty. They're witty. So like, they kind of make Brad look like an idiot and Brad being the asshole that he is, he trips, uh, he kicks out one of JC's crutches and yeah. makes him fall. And Cynthia's like, fuck you. I'm what done. the fuck? Like, Literally, she does this. She does the old the old crank finger. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, oh, this girl's an airhead, and then she did that. I went, nope, she's perfect. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom Atkins' character gives JC and Chris nicknames: Spanky and Alfalfa, and they actually play a part in the movie. Those nicknames, like, because he, I believe that um, the detective doesn't really know their name names. So Spanky and Alfalfa makes sense. Chris is Spanky and JC is Alfalfa, which is kind of cool. I love how all the cops were like, see you tomorrow. Like they sounded like goons. Like the sorority dude, the fraternity dude sounded like goons and the cops sound like goons. Like, oh, everybody's idiots. Like, yeah. And I think that's, that's the whole point. Like it's supposed to feel like that bumbling, uh, cheesy like it's a horror comedy Mm -hmm. kind of like that shit yeah and like I I think it's supposed to make Detective Cameron that much more of a force to be reckoned with and it's supposed to make our protagonists like a little bit more you know gives you more to root for the more badass or they become more badass yeah I have a line that just goes woohoo who is woohooing? I don't I don't remember I don't remember anybody woohooing. I don't remember. Um, but after Cynthia kinda is like, Fuck you, Brad, I'm done with you, she starts walking away with the boys. And I guess JC leaves them to go into the bathrooms or something. Or like leaves them alone to let them have alone time and she was like, oh, is JC okay? You know, do, do we need... I'm like, no, nah, he'll find his way back. And then we have JC's whole scene. Yeah, so... Um, after, after that whole incident with Brad, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of little things that happen in between there where, like... One of the girls... They all kind of part ways, yeah. and then, like, she... So... She ends up reconnecting with them later because she needed somebody to talk to about what her experience with the corpse thing. Yeah, the corpse shows up at her room, but you realize that that corpse is the boyfriend that was picking up the girlfriend in the beginning. So he was just going back. It seems like these dead people are going back to the last places they knew of where they were going. Like, oh, I know I'm supposed to be going here. So I'm going to my girlfriend's place and Cynthia's, that's her room now, you can tell. Um, and the guy climbs up and his head explodes. And then we get introduced to the Slug Boys. These little... That's that's one of my favorite elements of this entire just, thing. The slugs just go... And they just fall down. Well, I don't know. Like, I've always... 
I've always liked the concept of like a slug creature inhabiting a body and like uh, I know I've uh, read some of your stuff yes so the, it is a very big element in one of the 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 scripts that I wrote and I I love it <laughs> I personally do love it slugs make me creeped out I don't like it um because of the second Harry Potter movie when Ron is throwing the slugs up because yeah that is pretty gross (laughs) it is like I don't I'm not a fan but these little slugs like they have personality and it's funny like at one point Tom Axon grabbed one and goes don't you even think about it you little son of a bitch (laughs) but I'm like damn (laughs) um so Oh, God. So, yeah, she connects with them because she needs somebody to talk to. Because she's obviously not going to go to Brad because he's too fucking stupid to function, basically. And she realizes that they're, like, kind of smart and they've already gone through something so that they might understand, like, this thing showed up and then his head exploded and then things fell out and, like... Well, and that's part of that in-between time, too, is, like, Brad tries to call her, and she's like, I don't really want to fucking talk to you anymore. And then there's the nerdy girl who was studying on the couch, and you realize, oh, there's a house cat. So she lets the house cat in, but there's all these slugs outside, and you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah, and then you get to... She picks up the cat, and it's, like, Like, fucking decomposing. The picture here is, like, it's half decomposed with a maggot coming out of its eye and shit. Oh, my God. It's a fucking wild image, really. But, damn. Um, but you get introduced to like, oh, okay, that's another way the slugs are gonna get in through the cat. Um, another way is like, all this all happens really fast is JC's scenes and then the house mother scene. Yeah. Um, so cut to back to J- JC's scene where he's hiding out in the bathroom, giving them some time. He's writing on the stall like a nerd, <laughs> like. For a good time, call Bubba Bubba for a blowjob. Some yeah, stupid shit like and that. And there's there's actually in that scene there's a bunch of little. Um, yeah, I did notice there were a little, little bit of writing on. Yeah, there. there's a bunch of. They included a lot of like graffiti in there, and a lot of it is uh, references to other things. Mm. So like one of them, for example, is um, it reads "Go Monster Squad." Okay. Mind you, Monster Squad wasn't made yet. But Fred Decker already had the the concept and the script. So it I was think, kinda the like a weird works. connection. Okay, that's yeah. kinda cool. Um and there's also there's another one that says hang on. Oh, Striper Rules. As in the Gremlin? Uh, I don't think it had to do with a gremlin. Um, let's see. So it was graffiti visible in the bathroom scene. Oh, it appeared due to makeup artist Kyle Sweet, uh, who had a relationship. Uh, so it's it, yeah. It it was due to his relationship with future husband Striper, frontman for Michael Sweet. Don't. Okay, cool. Just a just a small little like husband and husband. Yeah, Kyle and. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Okay, all right. Okay. Interesting. I like seeing. See that bit. editing fuck up? I just fucked it up again. Did you? 
Fuck up this motherfucker. Yeah, once again, I apologize. This first live edit is going to have a lot of problems. Um, yeah, but you're, you're learning. you got to learn how to do it on the fly. That's all. And we're the guinea pigs. So, you know. Is it recording both of our cameras simultaneously? Or while you're editing, it's cutting back and forth? So, the way that this works. And I fucked up when we first started because I should have done a backup thing. Where... I should have hit record on the cameras as well. Oh, the cameras aren't recording. No. So essentially, the program is recording what I'm doing. So that'll be the edit. But I could have done it where I hit record on both of those two and then been able to do my own if I wanted to. I don't think you should. I think you need to learn hands-on, tough love. You'll get it eventually. Well, that's that's kind of why I wanted to do this. I, I want it to feel more natural. I wanted it to just be... It is what it is, and it saves me a shitload of time mm. in post. I don't know. Like, I don't care if this flaws. How many fucking people are watching anyway? It says that our last episode on YouTube got one view, and I think it might have been me. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but hey, people are listening to the podcast, so... Yeah, we got, I think, uh, 11 listens on the last one, which is what was not the last a lot. One? I should remember these. The things. last one that went up was um, As Soon the Darkness, I believe. Oh, that movie disappointed me so much. So much. Which is kind of funny. Like, As Soon the Darkness was the last one to release at the time of recording this. Shows you how far ahead we are. Yeah. Yep. And it is... It is currently... Oh, God! It is May 1st. It is May 1st. Oh, my God. Seems a little crazy to me. I keep thinking it's March. (laughs) Uh, So... um, JC scene. Yes, JC scene. So, JC's in the bathroom. He's writing graffiti on the wall. Um, And... I don't think he... Does he hear somebody come in? No, I, I, I don't know if he hears the janitor come in. Because it's the janitor from when they were interrogated that goes to the bathroom. And I feel like the janitor was following him. Was following JC because it was the last thing he saw. And because it was so funny that, oh, screaming like banshees, he went to find him. Or he was following him. That's what I think. Um, so he shows up and the janitor's just in the bathroom and when JC goes to leave, he opens the door and sees the janitor's head has exploded and there are slugs everywhere. And JC's like, oh shit. Yeah, this scene's kind of, it's an interesting little one because it's, so JC's trapped in the stall, there's slugs running around. And it's not like he can get up and run. He can't walk. Right. So, like, I don't know. It's kind of cool because he's, like, hiding in there. You know the slugs are outside. And he, he like, lights a match book. Yeah, just to see what would happen. And he realizes you can kill them with heat. Yeah, so, like, one of the slugs runs into the matchbook as it's scurrying across the floor. And it that's where he actually, like, really sees the slug 
for the first time. It's like bubbling and melting on the floor. And then, well, before that, he puts his hand down to grab the matches and it runs by his hand and he says, ow. So I wonder why he said ow when the slug ran by his hand. I don't think he said ow. I think he was just like, oh, like startled. Like, what the fuck? Okay. Um, but then he... He's trying to get away and then you're met with JC crawling away and a slug coming right at him. And you're like, my exact words were, no, not the comic relief. No. Yes, but that, this leads to a really cool idea that they never fully flesh out in this movie and I it, it's a little sad because I would love to know where that would have gone if they had done more mm. um, but later on when uh, Chris goes back to the dorm room and you see him getting ready because Cynthia asked him to the dance for the next for that night and he rents his talk and he's like, oh, I haven't seen JC today. What's going on? So he goes back to his room, gets his tux on, and there's a voice recorder on on the desk for Chris to listen to. Yes, and the, the voice recording, basically, it's JC explaining what happened and that the slug went into his mouth and it, it crawled into his brain and he can feel it and he can feel it and it allowed him to walk he's like i've walked i walked dude i walked for the first time and that's powerful because in my mind i'm like this sparks so much you can do with a sequel where the government takes these things and uses them for good like oh we can cure certain ailments we can you know, figure out what this is about or what it's for, or it can be used for mass fucking destruction. Like I thought that 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 just that little bit that line could have led to so many things, but they just kind of let it peter out. Yeah, and, and that's where JC tells him that heat destroys them. He's like, fire, heat destroys them. Yeah, yeah, and he says he's he's going down to the furnace to see if maybe he, he can kill yeah. it. And I think that, I don't know, like, I really wonder what they would have done if that idea had been fleshed out. Yeah. Like, would, why was he able to still talk as himself? And why wasn't he a complete zombie like everybody else? I don't know. Maybe, I mean, the only thing I can attribute it to was... Once it went into his mouth, he, like, freaked out and then stood up and ran to the dorms. And slowly it was taking over him where the others just kind of accepted it. Maybe had he had more fight in him than the others. Because the others that got taken over just kind of seemed brainless. Yeah. And, I don't know. It, there's something there that I think warranted further exploration. But we just didn't get it. Wouldn't it be cool to pick Mr. Director's brain and ask him, was there something else supposed to be there? Listen, there's There nothing... is a making of for this. It's yes. It's called Thrill Me. I saw that. Yes, there is. There's nothing more than that I would love in the world than to sit down with Fred Decker and ask him questions about everything he's ever made. <laughs> but sadly, we may never see that. Yeah. But, before we go any further... I think we should take a little break, 
hear a little bit from our new sponsors. <gasps> yes. And uh, we'll continue this discussion after that. We interrupt your regularly scheduled film talk for this important announcement. I know what you're thinking. Oh, God, not an ad. But trust me, if you have ever had a passing interest in podcasting, then you're going to want to hear about Anchor. Anchor is a podcast platform by Spotify, and it is way easier to make a podcast with absolutely everything you need to capture your audience all in one place. Anchor has the tools to help you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And choosing to host with Anchor means that you can distribute your podcast on all major listening platforms like Spotify, naturally, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. It also allows you to begin earning money with your show with no minimum listener requirements. Anchor was our first and only choice when we decided to start our show, and we cannot recommend it enough. So if you have an idea to podcast, don't wait any longer. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So Chris gets curious and goes down to the furnace room. Now, I believe he was trying to see if maybe there was something left of his friend that he could save. But from the track record, it seems like with the corpse that Cynthia was talking about, there really wasn't much that he could do at that point. So he goes down there and you see that the slugs are just starting to fizzle. And so he must have just missed JC dying very, very like quickly. But he sees, like, JC's gone, he's passed away, and all of the slugs that came out of him were dead, though. So, it worked. So, it looks like, after that, he went right to um, the detective's house. And he, the detective opens the door, and this whole scene is great. The detective opens the door, and all he says is, Alfalfa is dead. He's gone. But we can, we can kill them. We can get rid of them. Yes, and before we go past it, I want to make mention of we come into back to Detective Cameron. Uh, yeah, and it is you can miss this entirely. I missed it. I missed it completely the first time. The first couple times I saw this movie, I didn't notice it. Mind you, I was much younger when I first saw this. Yep. So I didn't entirely realize what I was seeing when we come back to Detective Cameron. He looks absolutely miserable. He's drinking heavily. Um, And then we see all these little details before he opens the door. He... The door is duct taped. We missed a scene. We missed two scenes. So we missed the scene where the, the slugs are now escaping into the house mother's house. So holy shit, we blew we missed, past the whole we, section we of this movie. We blew past a huge section. So um we blew past one of the slugs gets into the house mother's house, which is the small house behind the sorority because you can't just have a bunch of 30 30 teenage girls in a house alone together. You have to have a house mom to watch them. So the house mom is watching TV and shit and a slug gets in and something comes through the floor and you realize that it's the insane patient coming through the floor and you're like wait a minute why is this dude coming through the floor that will be explained afterwards by the way when the when we cut into the house mother there yeah. you know what she was watching 
on TV. Was she watching Night of the Living Dead? No. What was she watching? She was watching Plan 9 from Outer Space. <laughs> Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yes, it's uh, considered one of the worst movies ever made. Are we going to watch it? We could. We're going to watch it. Can't just get away with mentioning one of the worst movies in the world and not watch it. Sort of like the movie that is playing in How I Met Your Mother when they go on the two-minute date. That was Mono's Hands of Fate. Yeah, we gotta watch that one too, apparently, because I have been told by my brother, you should watch it, it's terrible. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's on the list of one of the worst films ever fucking made. Oh god. But, um, you see that something breaks through, house mom is killed, and then the police show up, the detectives show up. And the police say, oh, there was a dog, but it just escaped when we opened the door. Dumbasses, number one. Number two, it, the detective is fucking rattled as fuck at this point. Hugely rattled. Like, beyond fucking anything. So he leaves, he goes home. That's before the scene with him and Chris. Bef between that, we get um, the detective trying to no he doesn't go home oh my god we're fucking up this movie all right so help me here he, help me <laughs> we have the scene with the house mother yep. he gets a call yep they go there find um the house mother butchered yep she's hacked to pieces the, the dog escapes the coroner actually says uh if we used a different stretcher for each piece we'd be here all night isn't the dude like eating yeah, well, he's the, walking the, away, the too. The coroner throughout this movie it is, like... has a sandwich in his hand the entire time. He's always eating. It's supposed to play off that, like, he's so used to death that he just jokes about it constantly. It reminds me of the dude eating chips in Arachnophobia. Yeah, it's a very similar idea. And this whole movie reminds me very much of Return of the Living Dead. Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, I can see very that. much reminds me of that. Like, it's not identical, but they're very parallel, like, elements are like, uh, okay, like, there's high and lows for each movie, and they do this, but I'm like, it's almost the same thing. So, um, then it's the cops and the detective corner the, the, asi uh, crazy asylum, and the detective's yeah, like, I that. killed you once. I already fucking killed you. Yeah, we get that little scene uh, before before the cops find him, or when the cops find him. Like the he's coming out and he's with his the other cops and he's telling them all what to do. And fucking one of the random onlookers is like, "Detective, detective!" Because she she's standing next to his car and she yeah. hears the radio. And uh, we got him. We got him cornered. Yeah, and uh, he he hears that and. He's just like, get my shot. Get the 12 gauge out of my car. Yep. Now! <laughs> I'm, there's one thing I was very bothered by that. Because in the movie, like, you can physically see Tom Atkins go, get the 12 gauge out of my car now! But overdubbing, it's get the 12 gauge out of my car now. And I'm like, that should have been more powerful. It seems like maybe it was too gruff and he didn't get it out right when they did the scene. So he had to overdub it. Well, there's actually a good amount of this movie that is overdubbed. A lot. And a lot of this movie is. I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, for a 90s, uh, 90s, an 80s, like, B-movie kind of shitty, meant to be like that movie, it makes sense. But 
if this movie had a little bit more like stern seriousness to it, I think it might have done better. It could have still yeah. had the elements of comedy, but if the detective was harder and gruffer, I think it could have been more popular. But it's just not how Tom Atkins is. He is that character. That's the same character I've seen in the other movies he's done. And I love it. So it's like, I wish it would have been more gruffer, more harder. But would it still have a cult following like it does today if it was like that? I don't think so. Like, I think... I think it might, but to a different degree. Mm. Like, I think if this was a more serious movie, it may have been more well-received then, but it would lose all of its charm. Yeah. And this movie, like, it has so much charm to it because it's... It's it's not trying to be... Yeah. Like, this, this front cover makes it look more serious than it is. This cover, like, no. And the thing says here, ooh, it's going to be scary. It is, it is not. There is nothing scary about this movie. There is 100% nothing scary about this film. It is a wild fucking ride, and I like it. I personally just, oh, man, why don't we have that as the front cover? It's just fucking Tom Atkins. Just Because it's just a photo. Like, it's not an actual cover. Fuck that. He's smoking. He's got his 12 gauge. This is perfect. <laughs> Better than this bullshit we got. Um, so I have a note that says, oh boy, a slug released the slugs. So it is detective's fault that he blew the dude's brains out or what was left of his brains and all the slugs got loose and swirled past them like, and now we're released. That scene is actually, uh, one of the prime examples of, uh, Fred Decker throwing in everything that he possibly could. Yeah. Because, so in that scene, he does the the Steven Spielberg um, warp zoom. Yep. Where it like it dollies in and uh, pulls him zooms at, yeah. out. So it it does that weird. Um, that was another editing fuck up. It does a weird uh, parallax effect where like it looks like the background warps backwards. Yeah. Uh, that was. It's still a very popular thing, and every filmmaker always wants to try it. I want to try it at some point, but it's something that, like, he just had to throw in there, and that was a perfect moment for it. It was just just realizing I fucked up. It was it was gorgeous. Um. So the next scene we see, and I have would it be an '80s movie without titties, dudes, and getting ready, overlaid by slugs? Escaping into the house, escaping into everywhere, and then we see the dog show up in front of the bus of frat boys that are going to pick up the ladies, and it overturns, everybody's dead, and the dead dog walks in and blows up, and now there's a bunch of frat dudes just... Well, the dead dog doesn't blow up. Well, you don't you don't see it, but now you assume like, all right, the slugs exploded the dog's face, and now there's a shit ton of slugs in a bus full of dead fraternity dudes. And where was the next place they were going? To the sorority to pick up all their girlfriends. I'm not saying the line. I refuse because I believe that line is the line of the movie. That line is the tagline. Yes. We're going to save that for the end. 
because he realizes, oh, sh uh, the detective realizes, oh shit, I know where they're going. So then he heads to, um, so no, this is when JC shows up at his house. So now we can continue that conversation. So JC shows up at the detective's house because he just realized he fucked up and he's the one that released all these slugs. So now he's like, okay. Yeah. So essentially back to what I was saying about the details of this moment, because we see him, he gets the knock at the door. He goes, he is looking disheveled and, and, uh, miserable. And he's like, He's he drinking heavily, gets the knock at the door, he goes to the door, and he rips duct tape off of the door. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, somehow I didn't realize it, but, like, he pulls off the duct tape, answers the door, and Jay, uh, Chris is like, um, they killed Alpha Alpha. And, yep. and, he start, and he's, like, just pouring out the information. He's rambling in his grief, and he's just like... They get in through your mouth and they lay eggs in your brain and you walk around while they incubate even if they're dead. Yep. And Cameron's just like staring at him like, what? Like, and he's taking in this information but then it literally cuts over to him pulling his gun, the gun out from under the bed, loading it up. Um... And it's this is all one shot, by the way. It's this one push-in shot as he's walking back and forth doing this. And he puts on his jacket, picks up his gun, and then walks over to the stove. And you see the stove is open in the yep. background. Walks over to the stove, closes it, and turns off the gas. And I went, what was he trying to do? But then you realize when you first saw him, he was just sitting in his chair... Holding his lighter. And I thought the duct tape was to keep the slugs out. That's what I thought. I'm like, oh, he duct that's smart. He duct taped to keep the slugs out. He was going to kill himself. He was going to light himself on fire. I mean, this man's already been through enough. And at, right there and then, he explains to JC, I was a young cop, and I just couldn't deal. And I saw him chop up her body. So I killed him. And I buried him behind the sorority house where the mom's, where the mother, sorority mother's house was. And I'm the reason why this is all basically gone to shit because he got a slug, he's out, I killed him, now all these slugs are out. And it's like, they gave this character so much fucking depth for just a shit 80s horror movie. Well, that's the thing. Like, with this movie, there's... As cheesy as the whole thing is, hmm. there's so many layers to the characters themselves yeah. that it it elevates the material so much, at least in my opinion. And, like, you're not going to find a lot of cheesy horror movies like this that have that much yeah. thought put into the characters and thought put into the little details and nuances. It... It's really surprising, honestly. Yeah. It's shocking how good that character is. And you just sit there and you're like, oh, wow. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Like, you don't put it two and two together until he talks to JC. And you realize how much this dude has invested into this story now. 
and he's like, I'm not going to let this happen to anybody else. So then he goes to the police station. And he threatens Dick Miller for a fire. Yes. For a flame. Dick fucking Miller shows up in this movie. He's the random, uh, like armory. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, the armory dude. And he, he, I forget what his name was. We actually drew attention to it. Parsley or Paisley? We couldn't catch it really quickly. I think it's Paisley. Paisley. But he, uh, he goes up. Cameron shows up to him and he asks him for a flamethrower. Yep. Which, for some reason, this little... Uh, you want a flamethrower? Oh, we got a flamethrower. Ha, ha, ha. What do you need this for? Ha, ha, ha. I, what? Most people probably don't know who Dick Miller is. If, if you're a movie fan, a horror movie fan, especially of this period, you're going to know him from everything. Gremlins is the big one. Yes, he plays... Uh, Mr. Futterman in Gremlins. He's the janitor in Chopping Mall. Um, he's I've never seen that one either. Oh, we'll get to Chopping Mall. Oh my god. Um, but he he plays the uh, gun shop owner in Terminator. Okay. Yup. All right. He, and he's old. He's older in all these movies in the '80s, so he must have been an actor from years before then. Oh yeah, he showed up. He was in. Um, oh my god, I can't think of the the older movie titles right now. But he 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 played Walt. His name is Walt Paisley. Oh okay. okay. And uh, he shows up in all in these little roles, these character actor roles, all like throughout the. Uh, throughout the 80s throughout some of the 70s he got his start in black and white movies in like the 60s he has appeared in over 180 films and I love him in all of them Um, Dick Miller is one of the one of those actors that I'm so happy every time I see him show up in something and he I wish he was still around today because he's fucking amazing and I don't think he ever got the recognition he deserved back then. Mm. And now so many people love seeing him in, in those roles. Like, he's so memorable every time. And he, know, he, he's just so fun to watch. Like, I love that, that actor. I love him so much. I am. He. Holy shit, he's in a lot of movies. Like, his first 20 movies were all Roger Corman movies. That doesn't surprise me one bit. Holy crap. Twilight Zone, the movie in the 80s. Gremlins, Terminator, Chopping Mall, Project X, The Burbs, Gremlins 2. He was in The Flash in the 90s. Crap, Batman animated series. Star Trek Deep Nine. Deep Space Nine. Deep Nine. Sorry, guys. Justice League. Holy shit. His last movie was Hanukkah. And he played a rabbi named Rabbi Walter Paisley. Yeah, so this is a big thing with um with Dick Miller. Walter Paisley was 
uh, I forget what movie it was, and I apologize to people who know this shit better than me, but I think it was like his first role ever. He played like a, a, a guy named Walter Paisley. So he shows up in a ton of other movies later in his career and they just named the character Walter Paisley after that initial role. A 1959 American comedy horror directed by Walter Corman. He pay- played the- he played Walter Paisley. Yeah. Well, I'll be looking for that. He was in the original Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, he was. What the fuck, guys? Okay, I'm going on. I gotta put. I'm sorry. I gotta. Dick, you're killing me here. <sighs> so, Detective Cameron threatens Mr. Paisley with a gun and says, I don't have a paperwork to take this out. You're just gonna give it to me. And it's like, well, you're in trouble when you go back to the station. <laughs> um. He shows up with Jay, uh, with Chris at the sorority house, says the line, which I was like, oh man, every time I hear it, I love it. And they get prepared for the fight of everything. Before that, Brad, who was infected by a slug, shows up and the girls are like, oh, uh, Cin- uh, Cynthia, Cynthia, Cindy, Cynthia, right? Fuck. So... Her name is Cynthia, but the, some Cindy. of the sorority girls call her Cindy throughout the Cindy, movie. Cindy, Brad's here. And she shows up. She doesn't even look at his face. She goes out and sits down with him. And while he's sitting there, he's vomiting up slugs. And she turns around to talk to or Chris shows up and goes, get up, get away from him. And she turns around and he's just like, slugs everywhere. And then Chris gets to do what he's wanted to do and sets Brad on fire. <laughs> Brad yeah, th- that's a really cool uh, thing because he's like, Cindy, uh, Cindy, get away from him. And she looks. It's like these rapid cuts where it's like she looks at him. He's throwing up the slugs. It cuts to fucking him readying the flamethrower and then cuts to Cameron as he shoots him with a shotgun. <laughs> fucking he blow, uh, blasts him with the flamethrower. I mean, one of the things that fucking Detective Cameron does. It's not my favorite line, obviously, but it's one of my favorite. He goes, duck, it's Miller time. <laughs> yeah, th- this oh is like the, God. this is the big finale of the movie. So it's, it's starting to, it's like the editing gets faster. It's cutting between Cameron in the house, them outside the house is yep. like the zombies are trying to get through. They hide in a garden shed and they're like busting through it and they're running and escaping and flame throwing and Which, all this shit the whole garden shed thing that's actually that sequence is a little homage to Peter Jackson which you have not seen yet uh, in Dead Alive slash Brain Dead okay so when I watch it I'll be like oh I understand that little shed scene now okay cool. oh for sure cool cool um so we get to the point where they think they've gotten all of them and Chris sees one skitter into the basement and he looks at Cynthia and he says, what's in the basement? She's like, junk stuff. One of the girls' science projects. Well, what's in the science project? She's like, brains. 
So one of the early scenes is one of the girls and she's got this big box and it's got, I would say 16 brains in it. She's like, oh, I wanna know if I can store this here because I can't keep it at the college. It's for a project we're doing. We gotta dissect them later. And it's like, you don't think, you don't put two and two together it, until like, later in the movie. Yeah, watching it on repeat viewings, it's like, oh my God, that is such an obvious setup. But and It's it, so casual, you don't think. It's also extremely ridiculous. It's like... Why would you keep brains in the basement of a sorority house? Well, first of all, what college project is going to have you using human brains? Human brains, yeah. And what kind of college project would you have to store where you live? Plot device, Mr. Frodo. Plot device. (laughs) Oh, I know. It's just so fucking stupid. It's so stupid, though. Um, So then they realize that... Oh my god, we gotta get into the basement. But Detective Cameron is already in the basement. He's already he's just like, take her and get out of here. Take her. And you just see this mound of these slugs just in the corner. And it looks like it was more of a miniature because it sped up quick, but you can see that somebody had like a miniature puppet and was controlling a certain mound of them because they're moving the same way. Stop motion. Like, stop motion. Okay, that makes sense. But you know that they're not making a massive stop motion. It's probably like this big and smaller. Oh yeah, it's a scale miniature for it, sure. But it looks a little. It looks cheesy. It looks very cheesy. But to you, oh my god, I fucking love. I stop know motion. you love stop motion, but it is obviously blown up and kind of weird looking. And I'm just kind of looking at it like, uh, I don't. It looks know awesome. That. Oh my god. Well, whatever. It's the only thing we're disagreeing about. So then you realize that. You know, he's like, take her and get out of here. Take her and get out of here. Okay, and he just starts going, 20 with gasoline. 19. And Chris is like, oh, God, I know what he's doing now. Um, And they're running out as they're counting. This is the moment my heart breaks in this I, movie. Honestly, because he turns around to Chris, smiling, and he winks at him. And you're like, you son of a bitch. You're going you're gonna to blow yourself up with these slugs. He already wanted to kill himself, so... And that's the thing, like, if you had noticed that the first time, and you knew that he wanted out... He was already resolved, so it was like, alright. And even, I think Chris was like, he's doing this to save all of us. So they get out. Which makes the actual ending even more heartbreaking. Yes, and, you know, the house blows up, Chris and Cynthia are saved. She finally turns to him and goes, nice talks, and then they kiss, and it's cute. And then it cuts to us seeing something walking down the road, and it is Captain Cameron or Detective, Detective Cameron, burnt to a crisp, smoking, heading towards a cemetery. Yeah, and he he falls over, his the, head breaks open, the slugs, slugs come out. But then you see the spaceship with a spotlight looking for the slugs. So I guess maybe because the slugs became active suddenly. They were like, oh, we found them. Uh, boys, you better get those out of here before. I think you're meant to assume that the slugs have been, uh, the slugs, the aliens have been looking all over the planet yeah, for them. because they were, that guy was in cryostasis, they couldn't find them. But once they became active, it was like, oh my God, like they're active. We can, we found them. And they were trying to get there as fast as they could to get them. And uh, fun fact, that, that spaceship this is not the only place that it has been seen. Ooh, where else has it been seen? This spaceship showed up in... 
believe it was. Da, 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 da. I think it was. It was in like Star Star Trek Deep Space Nine or something like that. Which makes sense because Dick Miller was in it. I mean, Dick Miller's been in everything. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, the word creeps was said four times. Only four? Thrill Me was said five. Five by uh, by Cameron. Six if you include when... Uh, no, four by Cameron, five including Chris. Was it? Yep. Because I've got Cameron's Thrill Me is at one, and then... Um, Chris says it once. Or, or thrill, thrill Me by Cameron was said four times. Because he does the first shot, the phone, the boys, and then he says it again you know, more towards the end. No, so it would be it would be six. It would be six? Yeah, because... Uh, so Cameron also says it when he first walks into the crime scene. The cryo lab. Okay. So it'd be six times by camera and then once by Chris. Okay. So we have six thrill me's. Ladies and gentlemen, he is not bringing this back. He has attempted once, and I slapped it out of him, metaphorically, not physically. Thrill me. I want to throw you down the stairs. That's what I'm gonna do. On that note, I think we should get into our closing <laughs> questions. <laughs> All right. Bring me the question. So. Overall thoughts on the film. I really do like this film. I do. It's not one of my favorites, but it is a good one to put on in the background. I was doing other stuff because I've seen this one very recently. So I just needed kind of like a little bit of a refresher. I would throw this on while, like, cleaning the house, doing other things, editing stuff. It's just funny. It's just... It's a good time. Good job, Mr. Fred Decker. Ah, I got it right! I like this. And, dude, you're a great director. I, I wish you would have known this sooner than before Wolfman's got nards. You have fans all over the world. Any director that makes a movie... You have fans. Doesn't matter if you've got one or a million or seven million. You have fans. Never forget your worth. If you have the creativity to make something and bring it to fruition, there are going to be people that appreciate it. So be proud of what you make. I absolutely agree. Um, I This is one of my all-time favorite movies. That's why there's a poster of it up in uh, our, par- our apartment where we only have two posters. Three! We have three posters up! This is one of them. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is... It's one of my all-time favorite movies. I have rewatched this dozens and dozens of times. I never get sick of it. I love every fucking frame of this goddamn movie. Uh, Fred Decker is literally one of my favorite directors he has made some bad films everybody Everybody has has. I this is not one of them like this is such a fun movie to watch it's funny it's got plenty of action and it the horror elements are great it's got great special effects it it's cheesy in the best fucking way yeah um, I can't say enough good about this movie, and I 
honestly wish Fred Decker had known how much people love it yeah. when he made it. I hope he understands now how much it's appreciated, and I hope... I will always hope that he'll... He's still directed over the years, but I hope he kind of gets back into the groove at some point because you deserve so much more than you've ever got, man. You do. 100%. You do. Favorites. You want to say this with me? Or do you want me to say it? Because it's your favorite too, right? It's one of my favorites. I'm going to let you say this line because it is better when you say this line. Well, I've got good news and bad news, girls. Good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Before I saw this movie, he said that. And I was like, what? And then I watched the movie and I understood. And I love that line. Because the way... He delivers that line, Tom Atkins. He's just cigarette hanging out of his fucking mouth, looking through these through gritted these teeth, <laughs> gritted teeth with these white blinds, and he turns around and he's smiling as he's saying it to these teenage twenty-year-old girls who are dressed up for this dance, waiting for a good night, and it turns out to be a fucking nightmare. I love it, and it's probably my favorite scene too. So that's yep, there's my favorite right there. What about you? Uh, obviously that one. Yep. Um, that's an absolutely fantastic line. Um, I I love so many lines from this movie. Um, the dialogue is so well fucking written that yep. it's just everything is snappy. Like a couple that I wrote down were, uh, great, she's going into the beta house. Oh, that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Um, there's uh, the good news and bad news, girls. Um, what is this? A homicide or a bad B movie? <laughs> it's both. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Another one that's my one of my absolute favorites is zombies, exploding heads, creepy crawlies, and a date to the formal. This is classic Spanky. <laughs> Oh my god. It, it, it's beautiful. Uh, of course, Thrill Me. Thrill Me. Yep. Thrill Me is iconic. I'm pretty sure Tom Hat- Tom Atkins has heard that said back to him so many times by fans. How many times do you think they're like, can you just say Thrill Me? Like, and I feel like Tom Atkins is the guy that's like, you know what? If you love it so much, Thrill Me. He probably doesn't give a shit how many times he's said it. He, uh, he tells a story on the behind the scenes for this that he met a fan. This little old lady fan came up to him one Aww. day. Uh, I think when he was just out, like in a restaurant or something. Mm. And she comes running up to him. And she's like, oh my God, thrill me, thrill me. And she pulls out like a bunch of pe- embroidered pens that she has for her business that, that are embroidered with thrill me. And he was just, like, so excited to see how excited she was to meet him. Oh, that's so sweet. 
it, it's such a it's so cool it was just like one of those stories that makes you smile and it's yeah. just like wow sometimes you realize as like an actor that it's the little things you see so many actors are like it's the small things that matter it's not these big huge gestures it's these little things and that oh my god that's so fucking cute man oh um does it work yes that's the only answer i'm giving you yes all right well yes it absolutely works this movie works for me it'll work there are there's a percentage of people it probably won't work for people who don't like cheesy shit and they're wrong so fuck them i agree they're extremely wrong uh (laughs) this movie works in every fucking way it's wildly fun it's super entertaining it doesn't it once it gets going it doesn't let up it's literally like it'll keep you laughing it'll keep you thrilled (laughs) it'll uh it's fuck you dude (laughs) It's a good time, uh, no matter who you are. Would you recommend it? 100% to anybody who will fucking listen to me. Watch Night of the Creeps. Why? Because I said so. End of story. It is horror, but it's funny. It's not scary. There's no scary elements to me in this. Maybe in the 80s, it might have been a little spoopy. But no, there's no... Watch it. I recommend it. 100%. It's a good time. Yes, I absolutely recommend it. Of course, one of my favorite movies. Um, it's it's gonna be entertaining to even if you don't like this type of shit, you're gonna find things about this that are fun. Yes. And honestly, I think almost anybody could enjoy it. Yeah. I can't think of a really small an children. Audience. There's titties, so there is nudity. There's a couple pairs of tots. Even kids enjoy nudity and horror you're the only twisted motherfucker in this podcast so or i'm twisted too but you were watching horror movies at three yeah but you got you know that like there are kids out there who like sneak peeks at things in movies they shouldn't see yeah i'm talking like your two-year-olds not watching this fucking film this is why we're not having kids I would have a bunch of Satanists running around going, kill them. Would you or how would you make this today? I wouldn't. This would get ruined with them rewriting the script. This would get ruined with CGI. They would make the aliens scary. They would make the slugs something creepier. They would make this just, no. Nope. I will not touch this. Leave it in the 80s. I love it. I agree. This should not be ever remade. Nope. I think this is perfect the way it is. It should. It's like it's a time capsule of when it was made and like the the things that uh, the Fred Decker loved and knew from that time yep. growing up and everything. Um, there is an existing sequel to this. It. My thoughts exactly. Um, I've never seen the sequel. I know there is a movie called Night of the Creeps 2. And from everything I've heard and read about it, it is fucking god-awful and has nothing to it do with this movie. It was made in 2007. Yeah. It's, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> um, I, I don't think this should ever... Nobody should ever touch this. It's a beautiful film the way it is. It's fucking awesome. 
Wait, there was talk about Night of the Creeps 2 actually happening? Like, with Fred Decker? Oh, I'm sure there was. There's always talk of a sequel on a movie. Like, it just... Is it needed? Oh, wow. Decker and Atkins were talking about it. But unfortunately, it is not true. Oh. Oh, that's painful. I would love... It's called Night of the Creeps 2 Zombie Town. Just let it go, Leah. Wait, what? Oh, no. Just just do what I do and treat it as if it doesn't exist. No. I can't. Oh, no. Hey, it's on sale for a dollar. Only a dollar? Let's get it. Oh. Oh, boy. That's terrifying. Alright, so the ultimate question. Is it mainstream, exploitation, or other? It's mainstream other. It's not exploitation. Because... <sighs> Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead, this was all back then. It kind of falls in the same wheelhouse. Sure, it's got like an alien element to it. But it's still zombies. It's still a monster movie. It's it's mainstream or other. Okay. I will agree, but slightly disagree. Okay. I yes, in, in a lot of ways it's a very like mainstream kinda idea, but I think there are elements of exploitation in this. Like I said, he went into this trying to throw everything in he possibly could and that's kind of the idea with exploitation mm. you just throw in every idea you can to try and make as much money as possible that's you're exploiting the film mm. for everything it's worth so I think in a way there's an exploitation mentality to this one Okay, but the final product is very much more other mainstream me yeah so, I don't know. I think this one kind of falls into a weird gray area for me. In a lot of ways, it's explo- exploitation, but you're right. It's a weird one. I don't yeah. know. I do have one one additional question. Okay. Are you sure you're ready for it? I'm worried about this question, guys, because he's got a smile on his face. What? Were you thrilled? I've lost her. She, she's left the set. She's left. She's gone. She, she, she's literally leaving. I'm alone now. came back never again you're cut off <laughs> I'm not thrilled at this <sighs> <sighs> oh my god my voice hurts we've talked so long okay so I think this brings our discussion of Night of the Creeps to an end um, 
This also brings to an end our first test of live editing. Uh, I think overall it probably went pretty well, but there's definitely problems that I've oh, got to yeah, get better at. Oh, yeah, you definitely fucked up a few times. I saw your face when you're like, Ooh! <laughs> Yeah, there, was, there were times I forgot to cut. There were times that I accidentally hit the button a couple times, so it, like, went quick cut back and forth real fast, and it looks like shit. It's a work in progress. It was your first time. You'll get better at it. Um, if you guys watching liked the idea of doing the live edit, let us know. I, I kind of, I think it's going to be overall a good thing if we keep doing this, but we'll see. Yawn was not for you. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't like it when I speak. I love it when you speak. (laughs) Just no Tom Atkins references. All right, but don't go anywhere just yet. Stay tuned for the coming attractions. The boy and girl are making out, right? When they hear over the radio that this lunatic killer's escaped from an insane asylum. That's not the way it goes. The boy goes for help, and the girl stays in the car, and she hears this, like, scratching sound. No, he's been decapitated. No, he was gutted with a hook. Pre-law, what's the charge for manslaughter? We make a pact. Right here and now we take the Sar grave. For the last year, four friends have kept a secret. Are you on drugs? No. Well, then what is wrong? I've had a rough year. But not all secrets stay buried. Somebody sent this to me. Oh, my God. Someone knows. I know what you did last summer. Ooh. What they thought would be a new beginning. Toast to us. Is becoming a dead end. Somebody tried to kill you last night. We have to go to the police. If you want to be dead, he could have done it. And the mistake they made. It was an accident. There was no accident. It was murder. What if he's still alive? Hey! What are you doing here? Is coming back to haunt them. Oh, my God. He's after me, too. I got a letter. I got run over. Helen gets her hair chopped off. <laughs> Julie gets a body in a truck and you get a letter? That's balanced. She's waiting for us to unravel. <laughs> the wait is over. What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? summer Sean yes my dear I know what you did last summer really because I don't absolutely nothing (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah we were still in lockdown not a hundred percent but you and I really didn't do what did I do last summer I don't think we did much of anything my baby sister no, Abby didn't come up last summer, did she? I don't think so. 
I worked. Last summer I worked. I sweated my ass off because we don't really have that great of air conditioning at my warehouse. And I worked. <laughs> That's all I did. Yeah, I was still at the depot. You were still at the depot, yep. We mean the home depot. <sighs> but yeah, like... Yeah. This, this summer... This movie, I know what you did last summer, it's going to be a better ride. I remember being partially obsessed with this movie as a teenager. Because when did this come out? Like, late uh, 90s? Late 90s, yeah. Like, 98 or something like that. I was, like, 13, 14, 15 years old when this came out. And I remember, like, I want to be Jennifer Love Hewitt. I thought she was so You and cool. about a thousand other oh teenagers. I wanted the Jennifer Love Huge tits. I kind of got them. The fatter I got, the more boobs I got. <laughs> but oh. this was definitely one that I had heard of Buffy for years. I really got into Buffy after this. And this led me to really like Ryan Philip Philippe. Ryan Philippi. Ryan Philippi and Sarah Michelle Geller so much that I became obsessed with Cruel Intentions. Which is another one that I think is in the wheelhouse that we should touch on. Yeah, it definitely is. Yep. But I'm excited for this one. I'm I'm hoping it's the same movie that I remember. But I also was like 13, 14, 15. So it could be very different as an adult. Yeah, this was one. like So I grew up watching things like Scream and Valentine and all those like 90s slashers. And this was one of the more prominent ones. Yeah. Um, so this, its sequel, I know, I still know what you did last summer. Urban Legend. Um, I never watched the Urban Legends. You, I've never touched them because I'm very much a believer in some Urban Legends. And I'm always like, I don't want to manifest or bring that into the world. So Urban Legends are like a little weird for me. Well, we're going to have to cover those. Oh, God. Never driving behind a truck with. That's Final Destination. They're the same fucking movies. Oh no, you made me watch Urban Legend. Yeah. And I hated every minute of it. I have to do it again. Uh, but, <laughs> next week we're watching this. And I think it will be a fun ride. Just, just, don't, just don't drive drunk. Yeah, um, I'm excited to watch this again. It's been a long time. Um, always one i've enjoyed and i like going back to some of the 90s movies i grew up with it gives you this weird nostalgia feeling like you're like oh i remember when i saw that and where i was and shit it's kind of nice then you have movies where you're like i don't want to remember this <laughs> i want to remember all the films oh yeah all the films uh but that brings this episode to an end um for more recommendations on films or coffees you should check out, if you want to check out our movie collection or see some fun behind the scenes, chat with us. Uh, if you want to recommend us some movies, uh, check us out. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. Um, we're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. Um, you can find us on Discord at Grindhouse Podcast, where you can chat with Leah because she runs that whole side of things. Woo. Um. All the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes. 
um, listen to us, give us five star ratings on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. New episodes come out first thing every Monday morning. Um, if you're listening to the podcast and you want a more visual experience, then you can subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can get every single episode in its entirety with video. Woo! Woo indeed. Um, <laughs> if you like what we're doing and you want to show this, show this show some support, you can find all that information down in the show notes as well. Until next week, I'm Sean. I'm Leah. Thanks for listening, and keep watching. Good night, Belle. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.